This is Unclaimed Bands, show 155. Hey, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands. And uh, tonight, today, joining me uh, via Skype is uh, Alexander McKay. Welcome. Hey, Sean. How you doing? I'm doing great, sir. I'm, I'm glad we finally were able to get this done. Scheduling's a bit a little... A little, little tricky, but uh, always always worth it in the end, I find. <laughs> Finally. Um, you know, Alexander, before we go any further, I want to give people an opportunity to um, to listen to a song of yours. Uh, what, are, what are we going to let them hear? Uh, we're going to listen to the fourth track on my EP, uh, Brings Us Together, which is called Stones. Okay, this is Stones.
That was Stones. So, Alexander, tell me something, uh, or a little something, about that song. Uh, it was the first song I wrote for the EP, um, which was basically just a concept idea um, of my travels when I used to live in Los Angeles. And uh, unfortunately, while writing Stones, my uh, grandparents passed away, not together, but within quite a short space of time. And it got me reflecting on life and just sort of, you know, the love they had for each other and uh, how short this journey is that we have. So um, my mum said, uh, you know, do you want to play a song at the funeral? And I thought, God, that's so cheesy. I could kind of pitch this kind of, you know, Goo Goo Dolls moment. And I thought, you know, let's just see what comes out. And this instrumental thing came together, which was Stones, and I put some words to it. And, uh, yeah, the first, my first gig was my grandmother's funeral with Stones. So that's how that song came about. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I did not, did not uh, read that anywhere. Jeez. Uh, well, I'm sorry about your grandparents. Uh, you know, they had a beautiful life together, and they li they lived to 100. Well, one did. One was 97, one was 100, so they had a good innings. Wow, yeah, yeah, really. Jeez. Um, well, you know, all right, let's go back a little bit further. Uh, how did you, how did you start? I mean, have you always wanted to be a musician? When did you start playing? Um, oh, I had those painful years when I was about six or seven trying out different instruments like violins and pianos and I picked up uh, the drum set when I was about ten and kind of got quite good at that and wanted to get a kit and my mum was like, no way are you going to be annoying <laughs> neighbours with that. So I was kind of uh, then caught between a rock and a hard place and I was like, right, I love music and I was listening at the time to all my, my dad's records which were like Jackson Brown and Led Zeppelin and Elvis and uh, my mum had a beat-up sort of um, classical guitar, which I started playing on my lap, and I just liked the sound of it. And then she kind of was like, well, that's a compromise. It's a bit better than the drum kit. So she pushed me towards getting some lessons, and I took a few of those, and then basically just started, you know, self-teaching and, and um, listening to more albums um, by The Eagles um, and by Nirvana. I was quite big into grunge at the time. And... Uh, yeah, as a, as, so I started, I guess, my, my fully-fledged journey at about 12 years old on the acoustic. And, uh, yeah, 25 years later, I'm still playing. And, uh, yeah, I love it. It's just been a great journey. I've been through many different genres, and this is the, uh, I guess, the country folk genre I'm doing right now. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, you know, what you're playing now is kind of different from what you were playing. Can you, yeah. can you take us into a little bit about what you were doing and, and what was that transformation like to go from um, that to what you're doing now? Yeah, uh, basically, as a guitarist, I kind of like was thinking, how am I going to make money at this, you know? Because um, my old man was sort of saying, you know, I want you to be a lawyer, I want you to work construction, I want you to do this, I want you to do that. And I was like, Dad, I'm going to be a rock star. And he kind of was like, yeah, son, so does everyone else. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I got a scholarship into uh, London College of Music um, and started a degree and while I was doing that I, I joined a band called Nancy Freeze with a female singer and went on tour uh, with Toto and Granddaddy and some other bands um, all around Europe and, uh, and uh, the UK and basically that was the start of my journey as far as w entering the professional world of music but as a guitarist and so I was always backing up other singers you know I, I after that went into a hardcore band called Sone and went out with uh, a few more tattoos and a few more drinking stories with uh, a band called Throwdown who were from DC and um, yeah they were kind of intimidating <laughs> and uh, then again went around Europe with that band and came back uh, here and went to Los Angeles for a while 
and checked out the music scene over there and uh, and then came back to the UK thinking, right, what am I going to do now? And I decided I'd always been backing up other musicians mm-hmm. and always waiting for the singer to pen lyrics and that can take months. Anyone else who's a vocalist out there, they'll, uh, they'll know that the process can take quite a long time. I'm quite an impatient person so I decided to start penning my own lyrics and, and uh, hence when Stones came along, I just thought, okay, that's the first one of the next one and then just carried on writing my own and, and found that people were liking what I did and decided, well, let's just keep on this journey. And that's why I got to where I am today. Wow, okay. So, and then, so what was, I mean, going from uh, a more hardcore uh, music and band and all that, did you find the transition to like, you know, playing your own stuff? Or, I mean, or did you, did you first start like trying to rock out, you know? And <laughs> Yeah, Al- always trying to rock out, Sean, always. <laughs> Um, yeah, especially one man on his stomp box. I got endorsed by a company called Logjam, um, who do this stomp pedal. So quite a few of my shows are very sweaty experiences. I end up sort of stamping across the stage, really beating hard on my acoustic. And I guess I took some of that sort of hardcore ethic along to the acoustic. Um, and I think, you know, as a performer, when you're on a stage, the first and foremost thing is a connection with the audience. And I guess when you haven't got a full band behind you, you've got to kind of still keep that connection there and you've still got to do what your, your job is, which is to entertain and, um, you know, tell people a story. So um, I definitely think playing in all those sort of louder bands gave me a, an opportunity to see how the crowd moves and works and, and then taking it to the acoustic, it can be a lot more intimate. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, a few people have had a few too many drinks and they're wanting to get it going, so you're trying to kick into some of your more up-tempo numbers and, and get them entertained, you know, and, uh, and usually it's a good time, so that's what you have to do. I, I you know, I've had, I've had a couple other um, acoustic artists that I've talked to over the years, and, you know, one of the things that they told me was they felt was a benefit was that if they wanted to play a gig, even if they, you know, you know, they could have a backing band, but also didn't need a backing band necessarily to go to go play some show or something. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of cool that you, that you did that. Now, yeah. you, you're also working on a movie. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me about this movie. Let's. I, I mean, I've read about it, but let's tell everybody else. Uh, yeah, this is a strange one. The, the movie came about. Um, I was playing um, at a party and. Uh, one of the guests at the party was a screenwriter and um, heard me sing and kind of approached my fiance and said, oh, I really like what Alex does, you know. Um, do you think he'd play another one? And I kind of got taken away and played the whole night of songs, basically. And, and uh, yeah, the drunk people are always the best audience. So, uh, and then I got a call from this guy with a script um, and he sent it to me and said, can you read the script? And, and I thought he was just approaching me just for music. Um, so I went over to his house for dinner and uh, the story is basically about an alcoholic musician that's lost his way um, and uh, he's trying to get the girl back and he ends up, you know, getting back on his feet and getting his career back together. Um, and so when I read this, this uh, the script, I felt quite a strong connection to this sort of lost soul that's travelled his way through music and been all over the place. And I thought, that, you know, it had a lot of romantic notions in there and... Um, I said, yeah, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to write the soundtrack? And he was like, no, actually, I'd like you to uh, be the lead role and be the musician. And I was like, okay, um, yeah, I've only done, like, school plays and stuff, so we might have to take some acting classes. So <laughs> it's, it's been a journey, but uh, we're coming out the other side. We've, uh, we had a Kickstarter campaign, which is still going um, to, you know, continue funding 
uh, and uh, also we've been just granted some uh, the Sundance Film Festival and Hamburg Film Festival to screen for hopefully next year, if not the year after. Uh, as we all know, these productions can take a long time to finish. So, yeah, it's an exciting project, and uh, Don Roy Films are making it, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. Now, I was reading on the Kickstarter site and all that. It's based on a true story, correct? Yeah. All right. And can you do you know whose story it's based on, or? Uh, well, th- this is what's funny is that, that when I read the script and the script has changed. I think we're on draft twenty-one now or something. Uh-huh. When the when the script first came to me, uh, it was basically loosely based on on one of the uh, director's fathers who'd had a drinking problem, and he'd obviously, as a child of this father, had experienced all these kind of um, the characters of an alcoholic, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde, and so he'd, he'd got this idea um, to basically write his father's story down. And as he wrote his father's story down, he realised it was all getting a bit dark and a bit serious. And he, you know, he had a strong connection with music, so he started sort of putting a twist on it. And then uh, when he when he met myself, he asked me for a few stories as well. So I guess it's a mixture of uh, my life and his father's life. Um, so you've got his father, the alcoholic, and me, the musician, and you meld them together. And uh, yeah, now we have the the story of Stones. So how do you? I mean, how do you feel about? acting I mean is that something that you ever entertained other than being in grade school or whatever um I, I guess being an entertainer I'd always kind of thought whatever I do I you know I'm a musician man we've got egos I love being the center of attention you know <laughs> and uh <laughs> basically uh you know I never really entertained the act- idea of acting but I love film you know I I constantly go to the cinema uh, I, I saw the film Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges, so I loved that story, and um, and uh, he's just a great actor as well. And when you're kind of watching people like that, you know, the greats, you're kind of uh, inspired. And when you make music videos, like I've done a few videos recently, you're kind of in some way acting in those because you're trying to reproduce the thoughts you had when you wrote a song and, and get the audience to connect with that visually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess... In some ways, every time I walk onto a stage and you're telling the story of, of songs, being a songwriter, um, you're kind of acting there, but from a truthful perspective. So um, I think the, the thing about this film is because it's based on truth, um, it, it, it makes the story more real. How, how, much, of, uh, how much of your, your own experiences uh, you know, are, are you know, percentage-wise, do you think, are in this film? Um, I, I'd say kind of... 65, 70%, you know, um, we, we've all loved and lost. And uh, there's a, a big thread through the film of, of Alexander who's, who's loved and lost. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, 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 that's right. The character also shares the same name. That's got to yeah. be easier for you on stage, I mean, or on set. <laughs> well, yeah, at least I know when the other actor's talking to me. <laughs> exactly. Did you, um, did you I mean... It, I'm assuming you haven't started filming yet? Uh, we go into production um, the end of March throughout April. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and with a few outtakes later in the year, there's going to be some scenes of me drowning in rivers and stuff, so I think we're hiring in tanks, and I've got to take a scuba di- uh, diving class um, just to check for health and safety. So it's going, to be, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be fun. Oh, wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, the last question I'm going to ask you about this is, do you... Do you? I mean, have you thought about? Um, have you thought about revisiting some of these, uh, some of these experiences in your life again, and how that 
how that makes you feel? Because I have to imagine that they're not all the, not all ups. Oh god, <laughs> they're not all ups. Um, and that's the best thing about being a songwriter is you get to really share those stories with the audience um, through a song. Um, so I guess with quite a few of the tracks, um, like Against the Tide was about how I, I met my fiance and when you make, meet that perfect soulmate, how you want to hold on to them and, and you do anything for that person, you swim against the tide. So that was the metaphor there. Um, and then uh, Chasing Fires, which is the second track on my EP, uh, that was a, about an ex-girlfriend of mine that unfortunately died very young um, through alcohol and drug-related instances. Um, and it was very sad to get the call. We were no longer together. Her best friend called me and said that Lisa was no longer with us anymore. And that was, that was tragic. Um, and then you, obviously, like with Stones and, and other tracks, you just basically can only write from what you've experienced. So everything on the EP was a kind of uh, open-hearted letter to the listener to say, OK, this is where I've been. And uh, the soundtrack to Stones would definitely have some of that personal element to it. OK, great, great. I'll tell you what, why don't we let everybody listen to another track? Mm. Uh, what are we going to let them hear this time? Uh, we're going to listen to a little ditty called Moving On about my experiences in Los Angeles. All right, this is Moving On. Oh, God. 
Down by Alexander McKay. Um, wow. Uh, I loved uh, both songs when you sent them to me, and I checked out some of your other stuff, too. Uh, can you just tell everybody where they can keep up with you and, and get the latest information? What's the website, the Facebook, the Reverb Nation? What is it all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you can hit me up on my website, which is www.alexandermckaymusic.com. And pretty much all, all the social media sites, if you put in Alexander McKay Music, you're going to find me, apart from on Twitter, which uh, is actually named after, I used to have a pit bull called Seven, so it's Alexander McKay Seven. Okay, okay, all right, that explains that then, because I saw that, I was wondering, you know. Cool, uh, I, I've just tweeted you already, Sean, while we're online right now. Oh, cool, hey, and uh, what, what's the uh, Kickstarter site, can people still contribute to that? People can still contribute to that, so uh, basically, if you put in kickstarter.com, uh, and then I think you put in Stones, One Guitar, One Love, One Last Chance, and you should find us on there. Um, we're looking for a pledge of 30,000, and we're about halfway at the moment with a, about uh, another 17 days to go. Oh, nice, nice. I'm sure you'll get to that. Fingers you crossed. Of, yeah, you got plenty of time, man. And you're not asking for a ton, so that's great. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's not like I need 1.6 million, and you know what? what? That would be nice <laughs> if, if you want to pledge 1.6 million. Then go ahead. That's uh, very kind of you, Sean. Thank you. If only, if only, if only. <laughs> a few more EPs later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Um, so, how when you, since you you were over there, uh, you know, obviously being over in London, you come over here to the United States, you spent some time in LA. How did you find the you know, what was the, the big striking difference you found between the music scenes in both locations? Um, for me, growing up listening to American music, I just felt at home straight away. So um, I took a trip out to the States last year and went to Atlanta, up to Nashville, across to Memphis, and everywhere I went, I saw local acts play um, just to see what the, you know, and I think uh, I went to a a bar called The One Stop in Nashville and just the atmosphere was electric. There was two guys, two acoustics, uh, the harmonies were beautiful, people were raising their beers, it was that real Nashville good time. And I think the live scene in, in America is uh, is fantastic. We do have the same scene over here but it's a lot smaller. There's a, a lady called uh, Lorraine Salomons from Success Express that's really um, touting um, new up and coming talent and um, getting us in some good venues like the Water Acts in King's Cross. Uh, for Featured Artist Coalition. Uh, there's another guy called uh, Ving Goodwin, a promoter, who does the Bedford Bed, uh, Bandstand, who have um, helped the success of people like Ed Sheeran um, and Katie Tunstall will come up. So um, I think, you know, it, it's the same scene, just a different town, different country. But I definitely love coming out there, and uh, I look forward to hopefully visiting the end of this year. Oh, great, great. I selfishly hope you get out here to the East Coast. So yeah, yeah. I look forward to meeting you in person, Sean. That'd be cool. Yeah, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet one or two people so far that we've interviewed who you know are from from abroad or even someplace else in the, in the country or so in the states here. But uh, it's always cool for me. Um, what was your first record, CD, tape, whatever that you remember buying? Oh my God, the first record I ever remember buying. I think it was Led Zeppelin One. Seriously, mm. yeah, because. Uh, you know, I'd worn out my dad's copy, so I went, I went out and bought it on CD and then took it to every party that I went to and uh, tried to educate the masses. Led Zeppelin are the greatest rock and, band, rock and roll band of all time. <laughs> you know, now, oddly enough, I would think that they kind of would know that since it's, you know, an English band. 
Yeah, yeah, from the Midlands, and and I did spend quite a lot. I went to college in the Midlands, and so, you know, I, I felt connected to kind of John Bonham and people like that, that growing up in the uh, the working man's town of uh, Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely great band, and you, you can tell that from uh, from obviously from Led Zeppelin and bands like Black Sabbath, just the idea that you you know you know that they know what it's like to to work for a living. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. What do you what would you say is your biggest career moment so far? Biggest career moment so far. Oh, um, I'll have to keep this censored, although it's uncensored. But I think um, touring with a United States band called uh, Granddaddy, yeah, uh, on their Software Slump tour, um, and kind of getting into some debauched situations around Hamburg was a career moment. But I think my biggest um, kind of accolade to date would have been hitting up the stadiums with uh, an old rock band from the 70s called Toto oh. and kind of sharing a stage with uh, rock legends like Steve Lukather. Jeez, okay. Wow. And that had to be great. Yeah, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And having Steve come up to me and go, hey man, I used to have a Space Echo too. I've got like 200 of them in my garage back home. And he had all this super tripped out tech gear that had been handed down to him apparently from Steve Vai and Van Halen. So I was in a, as a guitarist, I was kind of in a bit of awe. Like, wow, you know, this is Steve Lukather and he's mentioning Van Halen and Steve Vai. Wow, I'm not worthy. <laughs> That's funny. Um... You mentioned uh, with the movie that when when they first contacted you, you thought they wanted you to do the music for it. So, are you working on new music for it? I mean, is there going to be a new an album associated with this? Yeah, the, there's going to be a Stone soundtrack. Um, it's going to be a ten track album. Um, I'm doing all the incidental music in between. I've got about twenty tracks in the bag right now, and just as we're sort of going through the script more and going into rehearsals and stuff, I'm getting closer connection with the characters. So it's helping the sort of storyline for the songs. Um, so, you know, they, they keep changing. The playlist changes every day. One day I think, this song's great. The next day I'm like, no, this is the one. So, But, you know, I've been told to whittle it down to ten. So we'll have ten tracks with all the incidentals out, um, hopefully, the end of the year. So how much does that does the director play into that for picking songs that will go into the movie? Does that, does that influence? Like, if you pick ten, but he says, look, I want these two in the, you know, in the movie as well. Does that mean that they have to go on the record and you have to cut too? Or? Um, well, basically in the contracts that we've signed, um, anything that is used for the soundtrack uh, will be the soundtrack. And then anything like the extras or the bonuses are going to be incentives for people to either join me on a co-write for some stuff on the Kickstarter or they're going to be um, released as like an off-takes um, sort of uh, special DVD um, with all the extra tracks that didn't make it into the film. Um, so there's the opportunity to, for people to hear the sort of uh, the B-sides, as they used to be called. Wow, that's great. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. That's cool. I was wondering, like, you know, because sometimes they pick, they pick songs, obviously. Uh, your your, your, your uh, fine-tuning these songs to go with the movie, to play along with the movie and work in the movie... Where I mm. think a lot of times, you know, songs that are added into films aren't specifically written for films. They're just, you know, chucked in there, and then you know, someone gets an awesome soundtrack and that, or yeah. an awesome movie, tr- you know, song track, not soundtrack. So yeah. uh, that that's uh, that's kind of cool. Mm. Hopefully, it will all work out. Oh, I I, I can't wait to hear. It. I can't wait to see the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I know we got a bit of wait, but uh, that's okay. Good things come to those await. I believe that. Cool. Um, Hey, you know, before we wrap everything up here, is there anything you want to say to your fans out there? 
Um, yeah, thanks guys for listening. Thanks guys for supporting um, unsigned acts for independent artists. And uh, if you're an, a singer songwriter out there, just keep writing those songs and uh, you know email me them because I love co-writing with other artists. So oh, cool, keep strong. cool, cool. Um, well, hey. Alexander, I want to thank you, uh, not only for doing this interview, but thank you for submitting for Reverb Nation. It's the only way I get to, you know, um, meet people such as yourself uh, and talk about your music and what you're doing. Sure, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, oh, man, absolutely. It's a pleasure's all mine. Um, cool. Everybody out there, my guest has been Alexander McKay. Make sure when you're done listening to this, you go to the website, so you go check out the Kickstarter, and uh, if you get a chance to go see him, go. That's the best way to see any original act is see them live. And uh, say hi to him, because you can obviously tell he's a pretty nice guy. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. So, until next time, everybody, uh, this has been Sean from Unclaimed Bands. Make sure you tune back in for uh, more great music from great artists like Alexander. Thanks, man. The statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals and in no way reflect the views of Unclaimed Bands, its parent company, or subsidiaries. <laughs>